grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we hear the final message in this series called The Storyteller. It's the parables of Jesus. As Pastor Sean is teaching from Luke chapter 5, where we find Jesus sitting with a bunch of tax collectors. And when Jesus starts talking, the Pharisees start getting nervous. When they figure out, he's talking about them. And when you listen to this message, ask the Lord to speak to you. Do you need God to do something new in you? Pastor Sean will spell out how Jesus encouraged people at this party to chase after fresh faith. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today it's part one of the message called More Wine. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. We are going to wrap up this series we've been in called The Storyteller. Got a little thing in my throat you're going to have to bear with me on. Brought it back from Israel. I'm fine. I'm not sick or anything, but just for some reason, a little bit hoarse. Now, haven't been sleeping well. Jet lag gets worse as you get older, as some of you may be aware of. But we've been in this series. It's called The Storyteller. We've been looking through the stories and the parables of Jesus. Why stories? Well, we've talked about that a lot, but stories do something different because our faith isn't supposed to be distant. It's not just supposed to be some sort of textual knowledge. Stories make those lessons personal, local. They make them real. They give us context. They allow us to be placed into the story. See, a parable is a story that's designed to communicate the truth, the spiritual, moral truth. And it allows us to actually put ourselves in and look at that truth. And we talked about it before. You know, like like a, a jeweler looks at a gem from the different facets and see the different aspects of that truth. Well, in Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 27, we're going to see Jesus is serving up new wine. Some of you... In the back there, I saw I got excited about this, started to move forward. I'm not serving up any wine, sorry, but Jesus is. Luke chapter 5, I'm going to pick up at 27. It says, after this, he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi. We know this is Matthew, okay? He was sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose, and he followed him. It's a tax collector. We know how surprising this is. Tax collectors were hated. They were, they were traitors. They were Jews who were serving the Romans, fleecing their own people. But Jesus walked up and he saw something in Matthew. And what's interesting is that Matthew just got up and followed him. So Matthew had heard about Jesus. and God was doing something in his heart. So he joined him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And so you see kind of the, the people that were there. This is not a religious crowd. The Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Let's stop right here for a minute. Let me go back and back. The Pharisees and scribes grumbled at his, at his disciples. Where was this dinner happening? Because I highly doubt, based on what they're grumbling about, that they were invited guests to the dinner. So is this afterwards that they're grumbling to the, to the disciples? Maybe. Or is this dinner happening in in some sort of open courtyard where literally there's Pharisees kind of calling a disciple off the side and go, why why does he do this? Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them. So they're talking to disciples, but Jesus overhears them. 
And he's like, you want to know why? Because those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He's not saying the Pharisees were righteous. The fact is, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But what he's saying is, it's those who know they have a need. That's who needs a doctor. That's who I came to call to repentance. And they said to him, so look, it's interesting, they changed the subject. Well, the disciples of John fast often and they offer prayers. So do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The purpose of fasting is to discipline the flesh and draw closer to God. He, he's saying, God's right here with them. The bridegroom is here. He's with them. The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they'll fast in those days. And then he also told them a parable. Actually, he told them a couple. He said, no one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he'll tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But the new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, desires the new, for he says, the old is good. Let me pray for us real quickly. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you want to say to us. I pray that we would hear. pray that you would speak to us. And then I pray that you would give us the courage to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. So these Pharisees come upon this dinner, and the whole thing is like, time out, time out, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Ministry takes place in a temple or a synagogue. This is a party, and parties are places to be avoided. Ministry is to be to the devout and the righteous. These are sinners and lost people. Ministries to preserve, prepare, and protect the healthy. You're talking about ministering to the sick. I think it's hard for us to relate how big of a paradigm buster this was for these religious leaders. You have to understand, these people, Israel, had been under foreign and pagan oppressors for centuries. They'd been under the Babylonians. They'd been under the Persians. They were under the Greeks and then the Romans, and they're currently under the Romans. And they literally had had to close rank and, and close rank to try to protect their culture, to try to protect their faith and their religion, to c- protect their purity. They had come to equate this separatism with purity. And in fact, Jesus hanging out with sinners, the unrighteous, in their mind, was equivalent to saying, well, then the sin is just fine. The sin is okay. Which, of course, he knows, we we know that's not what he was saying. You see, Jesus is just making a very powerful and a bold statement. God is moving in new ways. He's moving into new places. He's going different places. He's not stuck in the synagogue. He's not stuck in the church. He's, he's moving out in your office place. He's moving in your neighborhood. He's moving in your family. He wants to move in your Thanksgiving gatherings. Imagine that. Like, you don't know my brother-in-law. No way. No way. He wants to move in new places. Okay? He, he wants to move in new people. Not just religious people. Not just people who kind of we think are predisposed. No, it's those who we think they wouldn't be interested, or those who we think, there's no way, they're so far away. 
God loves them. He created them for a purpose, and he, he wants to do something new in them. New practices, new methods, new ways of reaching people and ministering to people. And then, of course, new priorities. New priorities. We're not just focusing on the well. Not that we don't want to keep the well healthy and help them grow in their faith. But one of the ways we do that is we want to send them out to preach a word of good news to the sick. Everything's changing. And he illustrates it with two illustrations or many parables. First, Jesus is actually being a little bit kind of tongue-in-cheek, and it's kind of like ridiculous. You don't patch an old shirt by cutting a piece from a new shirt, right, and putting it on. It ruins the new shirt, and the old one will never match. It'll always look weird, okay? That's kind of obvious. Second is you can't put new wine into old wineskins, and there's a very practical side of that. New wine expands as it ferments, obviously. Old wineskins are already stretched, a little more brittle. You, you lose the wine, and you ruin the wineskin. You don't do it. But, but I want to suggest to you that that phrase, new wine, is more than just a practical. This, is more, this has got a double meaning here. I think that phrase, new wine, is a loaded phrase. Because actually, if you, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see over and over that phrase, new wine, is common. It wasn't, it wasn't talking about winemaking. Okay? We're not nerding out on winemaking technology here. Every time that phrase is used, he's talking about the blessing or the abundance, the gifts of the Lord. God wants to do something new. He's going to bring new wine. Sometimes he'll accompany it with, with new grain and new oil. I'm going to pour out my blessing on you. A fresh work. God wants to do something different. The abundance of the Lord. A great example of that is a passage that at first might not seem familiar, but later on it will. Joel chapter 2 I'm going to read verse 19, then I'm going to skip down to verse 24 through 29. The Lord replied to them. He said, I'm sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. This is the people who'd been under judgment. And God was saying, it's not going to always be that way. You're not always going to be under oppressors. You're not always going to be under my judgment. I'm going to do something new. New wine, olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Skipping down to 24. The threshing floor will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with what? With new wine and with oil. I'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. In other words, the judgment, the things that you think you've lost, God says, I will restore it to you. I love this passage. I know some people, maybe some people right here, you think there's things I've screwed up so badly, I've lost them so fully, God, even God can't restore them. I want to say to you, that's not true. This is promised to his people. And read to the end of the passage, and you'll see what I mean. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts, the young locusts, the other locusts, the locusts swarm. My great army that I sent among you was his judgment. You'll have plenty to eat until you are full. And you'll praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you'll know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God. There is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. The day of the Lord, and then he quotes this, and he's now quoting, he says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Remember the new wine. Pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now that passage, for some of you, may be more familiar. Remember when that was quoted? It's the day of Pentecost. 
And God poured out His Spirit on the church, on those first group of believers. And He quotes that scripture. Peter, they, remember, they thought they thought they were drunk because they'd been drinking new wine, right? They thought they were drunk. And then Peter goes, no, these people aren't drunk. He said, this is what Joel, in our scriptures, what he prophesied. This is it. It's happening. God is pouring out his spirit. It's happening right now. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called More Wine in the series, The Storyteller which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And there, if you're able to bless back, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Again, find that Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, More Wine. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. Remember what his promise was, I'm going to send you new wine. I want to suggest to you, the new wine is the Spirit. The new wine is the Spirit. We know Jesus was talking about the gospel, right? When when those Pharisees were talking to Jesus, they were living under a paradigm, under a view that said, there's the law, that's how righteousness is achieved, by obedience of the law. I think, honestly, if they would have really stepped back and looked at it, they would recognize the law is a tutor which was there to teach us we can't live our own righteousness. That's why the sacrificial system was needed. The penalty for sin is what? Death. That's the penalty for sin. It's death. And so if, if the law did anything, it told us we cannot save ourselves. Jesus didn't abolish the law. No, he fulfilled it. He lived a sinless life. And then he offers that life on the cross to pay the just and right penalty for my sin and for yours. Because wages of sin is death. Everyone who's a sinner has incurred a death penalty. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, had his life was available, and he gave it voluntarily on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so justice could be satisfied, but grace could be extended. So we understand that. We understand that was the new wine, and that's so awesome. But I want to suggest to you, that's not all it was. Because remember, the cross is not the point of the Christian faith. It is the essential doorway through which we must walk. The point of the faith is reuniting us back into relationship with Father. And that's what the Spirit is. That's what the Spirit is. The reason for the cross, the reason for grace, was to deal with the sin barrier. Sin created a barrier so we could never enjoy our intended destiny of relationship with Father. But Jesus took care of that so that our sins could be forgiven. We could be clean. We could be filled with His Spirit. 
and now live the life God created us to live. That's the new wine. And, and let me just tell you something. Um, Jesus wants to continue to pour out new wine. It's going to require new containers. Obviously, the point is the wine, not the container, but the container will either make room for the new wine or it will be unable to contain it and be destroyed. See, here's the point. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. God is ready to do a new thing. The question is, are you? See, I don't think this was a one-time thing. I think God is all about doing a new thing, and he is ready to do a new thing in us. He is ready to pour out new wine for us, to us, through us. The question is, are we ready for that? See, God has always been about new things, hasn't he? Remember, Father Abraham, we talk about Abraham as the father of our faith. He believed God, was reckoned to him as righteousness. Remember what that looked like? God called him and said, Abraham, I want you to leave. And by the way, his father hadn't followed God. His grandfather hadn't followed God. So somehow this God, who he didn't know, made himself known to Abraham and said, I want you to follow me. I want to do something. I want to make you a great nation. And I want you to head out and follow me. Where are we going, God? I'll let you know when I get there. It's true. Writer Hebrews says Abraham headed out and didn't know where he was going. How'd you like to take that home to the little woman? How'd you like to tell your wife that? Honey, pack it up. We're going. God told us to go. Where are we going? I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. Wouldn't that be fun? My wife would be like, mm-hmm. Why don't you go talk to God and get a little more, you know, get some, Google that for me, will you please? That's exactly, it was totally new. God called him. How about Jacob? But Moses, they'd been a slave people centuries. God says, I want you to go. I'm going to set my people free. David, think about it, the people have been under the judges. Saul was the people's interruption of God's plan. The people bringing it about. God's plan was for David and for there to be this idea of a theocracy where, where God would be the leader and the king as his servant would follow and lead the people. How about Jesus? Now that's new. That's different. He blew their minds. Think about Simon Peter. How about the Apostle Paul? Paul was a persecutor. He was a Pharisee and a persecutor. Who God said, I want you to become an apostle. I want you to write most of the New Testament and help shape the church. He even gave them new names. Remember, Abram became Abraham. Jacob was given a new name. Remember what it was? Israel. Simon became Peter. And Saul, the rabbi, the Pharisee, became the Apostle Paul. See, God has always been about new things. The problem is we sometimes get attached, even addicted to the old things. It's got a pull on us. You know what I'm talking about? It's familiar. Sometimes just the old things, the rut we're in, kind of just the way things are, it's just, it's comfortable. It's predictable, right? It feels safe. It gives me the illusion of control. It's like, it's like, well, I can manage this, so it's okay. But, but honestly, if we stop and think about it, when it comes to this issue of our faith, when it comes to the sense of vision that God's given us for our lives, the old can sometimes just be boring. And I want to ask you, does your spiritual life, your faith life ever feel boring? Does it ever feel stale, dry? Ever feel lifeless? Jesus 
wants to pour out new wine. That is not the way he created. He did not create it so that, that we would just be kind of maintaining and wondering, you know, what am I really doing here? If you've ever felt that way, I want to say there's good news. Jesus wants to pour out new wine. The question is, will we make room for it? Because God is ready to do a new thing, and the real question is, are, are you and I? If we're going to make room, if God's going to do a new thing through his spirit in us, if he's going to use us differently, if we're going to see something different, I think there's a few things that we need to do. First, number one, we need to decide to let God do something new in your life. You need to decide to let God do something new in your life. Verse 39 in chapter 5 of Luke, Jesus, remember after he talked about the wineskins? He said this little statement. It's real easy for you just to skip over it if you're not careful. He says, and no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. Okay. But what he's saying is, if you're satisfied with the old, it's kind of like, oh, it's good enough. And, and I understand. I hope there's no sommeliers in the room, okay? I, understand. I get it. I know old wine is, is better, right? And I, the, Jesus is talking about something very different here. He's talking about something fresh, something new. He says, if you, if you allow yourself to settle, you just get a taste of it, it's fine. It's fine, it's comfortable, it's predictable, I know it. I don't want anything new, I'm, I'm just okay. Don't settle for old wine. Don't settle for less than God's best. Don't settle for less than the Spirit vibrantly living in and through you. Isaiah 43, again, God's talking to his people who are under judgment. And he says, forget the former things. He's promising them something else that's going to come. He says, forget the former things. Sometimes that's just good advice. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Note those phrases, a way in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Some of us, the reason we can't even envision God doing something more is because of kind of how things have been in the past. Well, it's always been this way. It's always going to be this way. Or maybe, Sean, you don't know how badly I've screwed it up. You don't know what I've done. I don't think God has any new plan for me. I'll take your word for it on grace. I can get into heaven by the skin of my teeth. But this idea of God doing something new God really working in and through me? Sean, you don't know. Maybe you failed in the past. You thought, I tried it. It doesn't work. I know people told me they prayed about something and God doesn't do what they want, and so the prayer doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like, you know, I'll send it back. Have you failed? I want to say to you, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. God wants to do a new thing. Came across this when I was reading this week. Uh, Bill Murray. You guys know Bill Murray, the actor, right? Comedian from Saturday Night Live. And then it's made a lot of movies, a lot of funny, humorous movies. And then some more serious, kind of kind of important films like What About Bob? I mean, I think that's, you know, baby steps to three o'clock. Baby steps. Recently, 2007, he claimed that a work of art saved his life. He tells a story how he was in Chicago for his first experience as an actor. And he said, my performance was so bad I just walked out afterwards and onto the street. Kept walking for a couple of hours. I realized I walked in the wrong direction. And I'm not just saying the wrong direction towards where I live, but also the wrong direction in my desire to stay alive. 
his performance was so bad, and he'd worked so hard, and he thought he'd blown it. And for a young person, a young artist, thinking, I had my shot and I blew it, he thought it was over. He went to a very dark place. He headed for Lake Michigan as he contemplated taking his own life. He goes on and says, I thought if I'm going to die, I might as well go toward the lake and float a bit, which, I mean, I think that's just good, good common sense, right? He says, so I walked towards the lake, and I reached Michigan Avenue, and I started walking north. Somehow I ended up in front of the Art Institute. There's a beautiful Art Institute right there off of Lake Michigan in Chicago. I walked inside. He says, there was a painting of a simple peasant woman working in a field. She had a sunrise behind her. He says, I always loved that painting. I saw it that night and I said, look, there's a girl without a whole lot of prospects, but the sun's coming up. She's got another chance at it. I said, I'm a person too, and I'll get another chance every single day. He looked at that painting and decided to live. The painting is called Song of a Lark by Jules Brett. That sunrise is interesting. It just reminds me, we sang a song today, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.